Hello, everybody, and welcome to part two of our Winging It F1 podcast season review extravaganza. Um, this is the after Christmas episode, so we hope you had a brilliant Christmas. We certainly did, didn't we, guys? Yeah, although I lost my presenting gig, which is quite annoying. But um, yeah, I don't know. Someone's outed me. But no, it was uh, yeah, a great Christmas. Lots of good presents. Nice watching the Top Gear specials again. Ah, oh, Adam had a great time. Nigel, did you, have a, did you have a lovely time with your, your massive turkey? Oh, yeah. They're great. We're all, we're all wearing the same outfits as well as we did the other day. It's really Continuity. weird. Oh, yeah. We don't want to make them think that time has passed between um, at least a week since we recorded this. Um, oh, we're joined downline. once again by Ed Spencer and Ellie Jane to wrap up some major talking points from what has been if you didn't see our previous podcast, a pretty good season in F1, which is what we decided. Um, we're going to be going straight back into where we left off, which was talking about some brilliant drivers in Formula One this year. We had a long, long chat about Lewis Hamilton and his greatness um, in the previous episode, which if you haven't watched, you're stupid. So we're going to go straight into wow. the drivers wow. we think are probably some of the better drivers of the season. I think we can safely say Max Verstappen and Charlotte Leclerc would come in clutch behind Lewis Hamilton in the top three drivers of the year. Does anyone else have any quarrels with that before we start talking could about them? put Verstappen first. Uh, no, Gasly? I put Lewis first. Gasly, Pierre. Gasly, the same person. Yeah, Perez. Gas- Perez. Yeah. We're going to be talking about them all anyway, so let's just go straight yeah. in. I, I, I think for me, if, we, if there's we try a clear to top a, two if we try to make Lewis a list, If we try to make a list, we'll be here all night. Um, and it's it's not even evening yet. So, um, <laughs> oh, one. It's, it's evening one. in Australia. It's evening in Australia. It's five o'clock somewhere, so let's get a drink. Me and Nigel uh, have slightly scuppered it by having direct daylight on our <laughs> videos. I'll shut, I'll shut my curtains just in case, but no. Um, the whimsical Christmas attitude is still here. And we're going to talk yes. about Max Verstappen first, the winner of the most latest Grand Prix, two Grand Prix wins in 2020. I think something like 11 or 12 podiums um, in a 17-race season. It's very good. Um, a lot of second places. He, very good. Ed, do you want to give us some um, of your hot takes on Max Verstappen's year? Um, I think he got really unlucky, the fact he had one of the a really undrivable car, but he drove his socks off that the wins in the second Silverstone race winning Abu Dhabi the way he kept up with Lewis throughout Max is one of the drivers of the um, the season but he had he did make some quite unusual mistakes for him uh, especially in Hungary where he nearly took himself out of the race before he even began um, David Co- he had a bit of a David Coulthard moment and then um, followed it up with a brilliant performance to finish yeah he did second, he, he mega did. start Mega start, mega break. Um, Magello wasn't so good, mind you. He, his engine was screwed before it even began. <laughs> I think Max is one of the better drivers this year. I think we know Max is good. We know Max is talented. We know Max can do it on the day. But could Max do it in a really inadequate car? We found out he can. And he can do it very well when he got everything right for him. Everything pink for him. Ellie, but, you look like you want to chime in on that. Yes. The car's not as bad as you make it out to be, I don't think. I it's, okay, it's not anymore, best. I'd it's, say. It's the, it's it, the literally, first, towards first the end, there's a, there's a difference. I think it's second best still, even to yeah. the first W, no. even to the RP whatever or the W10. Um, <laughs> like, I still think it's probably the second best car, but um, there is two different cars 
in there's in each side of the record. Oh, well, there's not, I'm not going to speak about not, that. <laughs> I'm no, not having this. No, you what, right? I'm promising you next season, Perez is going to prove there's two different cars. I'm telling you, Perez will prove how bad Albon and Gasly were. That's and a million one Sergio Perez fans have just had heart attacks. <laughs> I mean. I think you're slightly overestimating our viewing and listening figures. <laughs> please, please um, but, get but, a million yeah, I, Mexicans to listen. I'd, I'd agree. We we kind of had the debate in you know one of our third podca- uh, first podcasts about you know from Austria or Styria about you know which is the second best car. I thought to be honest that had been put to bed. I think the Red Bull was clearly the second fastest, and then you know it was then the kind of Formula 1.5 behind that between Racing Point, Renault and McLaren. Because let's, let's not forget Racing Point didn't, you know, they they weren't clear behind Red Bull even. You know, they A, didn't finish third in the constructors. Even, Probably you know, could have. Mm, well, should have. They should have, definitely. Yeah, but, you know, they, they? they, they weren't it the fastest out of those three on kind of every weekend or most no. weekends. It seemed to be pretty pretty even split you know Renault had a good charge kind of two-thirds of the way through the season McLaren looked good at the start and then came on strong again at the end and Racing Point kind of seemed to get better throughout the season so and you know that was also helped by getting a big haul through Perez's win although I guess he did retire from Bahrain so it probably evens out but yeah I, I, I think Red Bull were kind of head and shoulders above or maybe ahead above that battle and kind of head and shoulders behind the Mercedes really but having said that Max Verstappen did a really good job because for him anyway there wasn't any debate as to who you know whether he was faster than the Racing Point drivers or the Renault drivers you know it was just completely he was the one of the top two drivers I'd say second I think Nigel you said perhaps first but you know there's no debate as to you know, anyone being able to challenge him in that position because, you know, he really solidified the season for Red Bull and showed again that he's improved year on year on year. And that's a brilliant trait. He fought for pole at every race pretty much from Nürburgring onwards. So Mm. he was within a few tenths of the Mercedes for the, which I think is very easy to forget considering the Mercedes is just a little bit faster. They can cruise a bit more in the race. But um, Verstappen was the, the pusher for Mercedes to have to perform. And it, it came to a head where he did get pole and did win the race and led every lap in Abu Dhabi. And mm. that was normally a race. I said this on our Abu Dhabi podcast, normally races oh, Max yeah. Verstappen winning is an exciting race. And it's like, Oh my God, Max Verstappen's won. It was, it was a really boring race. And we didn't know that. And that, I think that shows really where Verstappen and Red Bull have finished the season. Mm. It's brilliant. It doesn't mean they're going to start next season in that way. And I think it probably means they're definitely not going to start next season. No. Well, like the way Red Bull is, but, They've ended the season as um, nearly as good as the Mercedes. They were a tenth away at the Sakir Grand Prix track, which is a straight line speed um, outer layout. The straight line speed is so dominant there that they were still within a tenth from pole in the hands of Verstappen. So it's there's a lot going on there. And I think it definitely started out as a really awful car. As Ed said, watching it at Hungary was atrocious it was worse than the ferrari the, the week before and we were oh, that's a bit harsh the, that's a bit harsh the, the handle times worse the handle the I, I think it looked on board terrible to drive and yeah we don't need yeah, to it that. did it did look at first it definitely mm. looked awful the they amount both, awful. both, yeah, both drivers were spinning all the time like it, it was a terrible car at first and, and this was a hangover got, from testing 
they yeah I don't Rebel know how they got spun it so a lot wrong in testing, well but um, first. Red Bull have solidified that and they've built they've de- developed that car nicely to bake it in a really good position for Max Verstappen at the end of the season, and I think yeah he's done a very good job this year. Two wins in this year for Verstappen, particularly the 70th anniversary mm. Grand Prix win, um, where he really hustled that car and really looked after those tyres in the blistering heat. Blistering definitely being the word. So he's had, he's had some very, very top-tier drives, has Max Verstappen. Um, another driver who has had an excellent season is Charles Leclerc. He has put Sebastian Vettel to shame um, with, um, well, I think he out-qualified him something like 13 times. Um, which it, And I think Vettel's last Q3 appearance was August or something. And Charles's was uh, last week. So and that says a lot about Charles Leclerc fight, fighting for fourth in the championship all through the year. Uh, Nigel, do you have any, any points to make about the young Monegasque driver who you said uh, earlier might be a bit of a, um, a Jean Lacey? Did I? Did it I might have been that? Ed. Yeah. It was you. Was it me? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I don't think that. I'd change my mind if I did say that. Uh, yeah. That was quick. Uh, I, think he's, <laughs> I think he's probably the best qualifier on the grid. I think I said that after, after Portugal uh, when he qualified in the top five or top six. And he's, he's just outstanding over one lap. I think his lap, uh, Sakir on the shorter layout, was probably the qualifying lap of the year. He, him and Lance Straw's pole position lap at Turkey. I think those were the two laps of the season. It was just remarkable. And he's managed to put the Ferrari in places it shouldn't be, just like Fernando Alonso used to do at his prime in 2012, 2011, those kind of years. And he's just, he's, he's grilled so much. Every, all the kind of weaknesses, I guess, of last year where people said Vettel was able to keep up with him on race pace and stuff. He's, he's put that to bed and he's, he's grown so much this year. And um, uh, yeah, he's probably the third, third best driver just behind Verstappen and Howison for me this year. I think I'd agree with that. I think this was a better season than last season, which oh, yeah. says a lot considering he went in in his second season in F1 first in Ferrari and won races and got poles and <laughs> dominated or outperformed a four-time world champion. Yeah, he, he's just, he's added consistency to his racing and he, for me, he's definitely the third, third best driver of the year. It's exciting in a way to see what he'll be able to do when Ferrari do get their act together. Because I think, like Verstappen, you know, he's he's improved again this year. He's took out a lot of weaknesses from from what he had last season. And yeah, I think his his best season in F1. And yeah, definitely, definitely a brilliant season. I think I, mean, I agree. Like it's um, the way he's performed. Like the minute he got the first podium in um, Austria was a bit of a shock. You know, like we were all like, "Oh, Charles has somehow still managed to find him way, his way onto the podium," despite even though we all knew from race one that Ferrari was a shocking car. Um, the car's definitely more suited to him than probably the the Ferrari previous was, just because he wasn't in the he wasn't in the car in 2018. So the car was definitely going to be favourable to Vettel and he still did a good job within that car. And I think 
he's done a fantastic job in this car with how bad it is because it's an awful car. There is no denying that. It's probably one of the worst I've seen Ferrari develop in a long time. Um, and, you know, to have performed so well and done such a good job, you definitely have to put him in one of the best drivers of the season. He definitely went under my radar a bit. Like, I forgot. I just didn't notice how good he was doing, like, because he was just quietly getting on with it. He wasn't like, wasn't like everyone was saying, oh, my God, look at Charles, because there's almost drivers in worse cars doing better than him. But, like, they would do it on the odd occasion where Charles was doing it consistently. So consistently throughout the season, he was just having a pretty good time, apart from when him and his teammate would sometimes hit each other. But yeah. Apart from that, apart from one of the apart worst things that, to do in F1. I think that also, happened all the time with mm, those two, and I wasn't surprised. Yeah, I think it's where, without him, if you had another Vettel in that seat or a Raikkonen in that seat, you know, Ferrari would be where McLaren were. You know, they'd be in that bracket of awful kind of in the way you know a they'd be in seventh place in the constructors and yeah you know but because of how well he's done you know he's avoided that they are you know they're still above that level and i think that's entirely down to him really i mean charlotte claire has two can has put in two contenders for drive of the season which is his austria podium to, to p2 which just it's just mega fantastic <laughs> performance from a car that was a dog that whole weekend every time he got on board with the ferrari it looked like it was about to crash and he he pulled that up to, to to second place um at the end of the race which is just purely charles leclerc purely the fantastic the next weekend. That he had. yeah the next weekend where he plans the back of battle we don't need to mention but um uh that that the austrian grand prix weekend was brilliant and where he came from basically being two positions off the back of the first lap in turkey to being second by the time he got to near before he went a little bit deep and lost the podium where would I think that one would have been even better if he hadn't made that mistake at the end and had got P2 then two of those two drives were exceptional and pure talent from Charles Leclerc above basically above and beyond the rest of the field as everything else seemed to go a bit wrong for people he managed to pull himself up there and do a fantastic job that I think it's going to be hard to beat when he's in a competitive car. We saw he got the most pole positions of anyone in 2019 in his first year of Ferrari. If that Ferrari was really good this year, he's definitely driven better. So he could, he's going to be a thorn in everyone's side, I think, in the future. I think we don't need to have any uh, worries about any of that. I think the only person who needs to worry is Carlos Sainz. We'll get onto that in a bit when we start to talk about 2021 a touch. Um, Two other drivers who I think definitely performed fantastically this year. We're going to talk about them both. They're two race winners, two first-time race winners, Pierre Gasly and Sergio Perez, ex-Rebel driver and the incumbent Rebel driver. So we're going to start with Gasly. He definitely has had a coming-of-age year after a really, really difficult 2019. Um, his redemption arc with that Brazil podium seemed to be completed, but it just went one step further with a win in Monza that he, he really, you could tell he wanted it. You could he'd tell he was driving the absolute socks off of that Alfa Tauri around Monza when, when he had Sainz charging charging behind him and definitely a fast McLaren, a McLaren that was running P2 on pace before anything bad happened in the race, before any of the Kevin Magnussen's breaking down moments. Sainz was running P2 and he stayed P2 at the flag because of the way Gasly drove there. And not only that, he had qualified Kvyat um, the majority of the race. I think Kvyat's first chance to really get alongside Gasly was in Spa and then Gasly went and had an absolutely brilliant drive there as well. Uh, Ed, what do you think about Pierre Gasly? You def you cited him earlier as one of your top drivers of the year. 
I would say Gasly has been one of the best. Um, we knew that Alpha Tauri was good right from word go. That car was much better, but we did not expect Gasly to take it to the heights that he did. Destroyed Kvyat was in the con- was constantly in the top six. The win at Monza, as you said, which was for me one of the greatest drives I have seen from a guy who wasn't in the top six teams, top three yeah. teams, sorry. Uh, and you've got to also think qualified four for Imola as well. He had that really good performance at Imola where he should have got at least another podium before the engine conks out. Um, for me, he's come of age since Red Bull. I think a lot of people were writing him off uh, for what had happened 2019 with, uh, with what happened with Verstappen. But he seems to have, he seems more at a peace with himself. He seems much more, much more calm and much more, much more skilled. He knows what to do now. And now he's a race winner. He's just going to build his confidence even more. But he's won it on merit. He didn't win it on luck. He won it on pure skill. Because Carlos Sainz is no sledge, and Sainz could have easily sent it uh, anywhere around Monza. So for Gasly to hold on, for Gasly to get his results, for me, he's been one of the best this season. And you've got to hand it to him. It has been full-on redemption. But we knew he had it. We knew he had it from the first season, 2018. It's just proving people that this guy is something special. Nigel, I think you might have something to add on that. I think you'll probably have maybe a slightly not quite the best driver of the year opinion, which a lot of people might disagree with. Uh, yeah, you pretty much said what I wanted to say there, already. I, I don't know. He doesn't. One of the five drivers for me this year: Verstappen, Hamilton, Ricardo, Leclerc, Sainz. I'd say I think Gasly's second half of the season was a little disappointing, considering how well he was doing. I'm not sure why Kvyat started beating him. I just think the way he's ended the season, he, I don't... I know it's a tough one. I, I, I don't want to say he's not consistent because in the first half of the season he was excellent and definitely one of the best drivers out there. But I just think he's he's lacked pace in, yeah, in the latter stages of, of the year. I think... it. It's important to remember where he was coming into the season because he very easily could have been where Alvin is now, out of a drive and, you know, with his F1 career in jeopardy. Because, you know, com- coming back from Red Bull, he had everything to prove. He, you know, he'd just flopped there and that's kind of, you know, where ultimately if he's at Alpha Tauri, there sh- should be a kind of, that should be the end goal. So, you know, he had to come back and have a really strong season to, you know, prove that he could do a job there for another year at least and to prove to other teams in the long term that, you know, he'd be a good number one driver for a midfield team at the least. And I think, you know, he has done that. And, yeah, as you said, his Monza win, I think it was fully deserved. Some people have said it wasn't because science was faster. But, you know, I think he... He, he, yeah, he drove everything out of that car to be able to keep pace with Science, so that Science only caught him with, you know, a lap or two to go. So I think, yeah, I, and he's had, you know, he got through to Q3 quite a few times. He did, you know, a lot of standout drives in, you know, he, he, in many ways he was a kind of midfield driver in a car that was in a weird middle ground between, you know, the... Alfa Romeo. We don't know how good that one. car was, though, do we? we it, I, I think it was between the midfield and the Class C for me. Ferraris a lot, so I don't, I don't know. Like they fought with each other, which just showed how bad Ferrari, well, 
Celtic where I mean like Sebastian a lot because it just showed how bad the season was for Ferrari to be fighting with an Alpha Tauri. Mm. I mean, he scored the same as Lance Stroll. He scored more than Esteban Ocon, you know, and I think they were in much faster cars. So, yeah, for me, I I definitely put him in my top five because, you know, A, he was a really strong driver. He outperformed Fiat. And, you know, just looking at where he was coming into the season versus where he is coming out of it, I think he's probably had the biggest transformation over that time or positive transformation. Yeah, he definitely is. I think that's a good way of putting it. Definitely the most positive transformation. And Nigel's right. Kvyat did get on top towards the end of the year. But in Abu Dhabi, Kvyat's race just was gloriously Kvyat. He just he had a brilliant seventh place to grabs in a track you can't overtake at. And he finished in 11th. And Gasly finished in the points. So, I, yeah, Kvyat did get, get there on pace. He understood the car, but way too late. The way Gasly understood that car was from the get-go. And... Yes, he was able to use that all year. His Silverstone drive, I think, goes under the radar, but that was a fantastic weekend for Alfa Tauri as well. Um, so I think it's hard to look at negatives for Pierre's season. Sergio Perez as well took a debut win. He um, so he took his time to get on the podium. It's been a weird year for for Checo. He's obviously had <laughs> he's been the storyline for so long because he's looked like he's going to be out of the seat until just before Christmas where Rebel finally confirmed that he would be a stopgap for them while they train Yuki Tsunoda in Alpha Tauri, basically. Um, they think he can Leave get... Yuki alone. That's <laughs> all I've got to say. Leave him alone. Um, hopefully Yuki Tsunoda can withstand the pressures that are going to now be on Sergio Perez for next year. But do we think Sergio Perez can handle it based on this year? He took his first win at the Sakir Grand Prix. Not a bad drive either. Not a lucky drive. Mercedes made made legitimate mistakes and he drove from 18th to third already anyway. Um, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant driver. I think it's definitely been his best season in Formula One for me. Um, not just because he's been a major storyline, but because he definitely should have had two other podiums as a result of it, um, at least. And not only that, he finished fourth after missing two races. Adam, do you want to jump in on Checo? Um. No, to be honest, he's probably the driver I've got the least to say about, but I can have a go. Yeah, I think going going into next season is going to be an interesting one. But again, a driver that's really improved throughout the season. It looked like Lance was on top for the first, I don't know, half maybe to Monza. And, you know, he could have had a fifth place, a well-deserved fifth place, starting from the back of the grid at Styria if he hadn't clouted Albon at the end and kind of dropped back a bit. Um, so, could have had fourth. Yeah, and yes, yes, actually. Um, and yeah, as you say, he, he looked like the driver who might miss out on his champagne moment through the season, the, the midfield driver who do that when, you know, Ricardo is getting a podium, Stroll, Sainz, uh, Norris, Lando. Lando and Gasly, you know, had all got theirs and he looked like he might miss out. And then, yeah, he just, you know, came back. I think, again, the Sakir win, it's... <sighs> It's a difficult one because, you know, I think by rights that Ros Russell's, but at the same time, when when the leader's out, then, you know, it's a free-for-all as to who's going to get it. And, you know, out of the midfield, he was the driver who should have been in the worst position to get it because he'd gone to the back of the race. You know, it probably should have been Albon coming through to get it. And, you know, it, he, he was, he put himself in the position to benefit from bad luck to the driver in front, which, you know, that that's what he'll need for 
is next year at Red Bull as well. He'll be expected to be the driver who picks up the places at the very least when you know Mercedes are on a bad day, if not challenging them. Hmm. I think I think you kind of if you flip Gasly's season, that's kind of what Perez's season has been like. And I think that's where the downfall for both of them for me is that they've lacked consistency across the whole year. Unlike say Ricardo, who I think was on form throughout throughout the season. Uh, but, you know, I even think racing point, they could have even been pushing Red Bull in the constructors had they put it all together because they made so many mistakes early on. And I think, I can't help but feel this might be a bit controversial. I think both both drivers have underperformed like, from, in, terms of work, what, in terms of the car they had. I really think they could have got more out, out of this year. That's a really interesting uh, opinion, that Nigel. Would you care to say? A bit Definitely more should have beaten McLaren. Hundred percent. How they haven't beaten McLaren, I, I, I don't know. Would they, but if the fifteen that. points had not been taken, would they have beaten McLaren? If they yeah, got, they would have just. If 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 Sergio Perez's right. engine hadn't blown in Bahrain, that would have been fifteen points from third place. Yeah. So it's not so just I, fifteen points they were deducted um, for. Breaking yeah, the rules. they lost it on reliability. Yeah. yeah that's, I, I kind of agree. I think they underperformed to an extent. But however, I think Sergio did, had a really, really good season. I think he really showcased his talent, you know, by the end of the season. At first, when Seb got the seat and, and so did Lance, I wasn't like, oh, you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't too bothered. And then towards the end of the season, I was like, nah, Sergio Perez really just need a seat. And I don't, I, I can't remember when I started saying it, but I said it a long time ago that he would be the perfect fit for Red Bull, um, mainly because also they were losing a sponsor because I knew, you know, Aston Martin are going, but because Aston Martin are my other team. Um, but, you know, he, in a way, it like uh, Nigel said, the season flipped because at first, probably till Monza, he was not the stronger driver in that, in that racing point. Lance Stroll was the stronger driver, whether people will admit it or not. They kind of had a season of both paths where they flipped. Um, you know, one was better in one half, one was better in the other half. And they need to both, they should have just been good in both halves because then they probably would have secured third a lot easier. But that didn't, I think that's what stands out. I think Gasly and Perez both get put into the best driver category because um, they are both won races and not everybody wins a race that isn't in a strong car well not in the one of the top two yeah i think, I think that's especially I... for gasly i think maybe less so for checo because i think people were putting him in that before the second last race yeah checo was, Bahrain. but checo yeah checo got multiple podiums whereas gasly didn't and mm. you have to say okay checo got was on for podium several times was fighting in a car whereas um like Gasly wasn't always doing that, so I think that's why Gasly gets put where he got gets put because he won a single race. And I'm not yeah. disputing that because I think he did a phenomenal job in the Alpha Tauri. Mm. I just think that's why he gets put where he is. I think also it's just worth remembering Racing Point did didn't start a race and they had a sub Nico Hulkenberg who was on the back foot for two races as well. So mm. I think you know. Who knows kind of what the effect was. and they had Lance, you know, Lance Stroll and Checo both had COVID and it looks like for Lance Stroll yeah. that did really you know, he had more of a long term effect. Especially especially in Portugal where he had a howler. I think really Racing Point didn't get going until the second Silverstone meeting. Yeah. Um, they were a bit behind I think... 
So we were about that at the time. We were talking about at the time that Racing Point hadn't taken advantage when they needed to. They were in a car they clearly weren't going to be upgrading much. They said at the what? start of the season, we're only going to really put one big upgrade on this car. We need to make the most of the start. And they didn't. They missed out on what could have been a sure second place in, the, in Austria. They didn't do well in the wet in Styria because that could have also been definite podium, really, perhaps. No, no in Hungary, they got qualified third and fourth and missed out on a podium there. They missed out yeah, on so much, to be fair, for yeah. racing point. It was once, it was once Hulkenberg got third at second stalls to me that the yeah, tide right. changed. And then at Spain, Lance Stroll had a fantastic start. It was right yeah, up there. He, Valtteri. He, he made an absolute corker um, of a getaway. Spa, things weren't that great. And then Monza, Stroll got that podium, which they should have had races ago. But you could also say Lance should have won at Monza as well. But if and buts, Lando could have, should have won at Monza. Esteban should have won at Monza. Danny Lando's convinced you should have had a podium at Monza. Do you know what I mean? Because he thinks yeah. cause Stroll pitted under the safety car that he should have had a, under the red yeah. flag. Sorry. He should have had a, yeah. So it's yeah. argument that, like, I agree to an extent, but, like, it's like everyone yeah. could have done everything in those well, races. Yeah. Yeah. My everyone would have had the same excuse whoever achieved the result. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. My argument would have been that seven or eight drivers could have won that day, but obviously they didn't time it right. They cocked up. Well, Ham- Hamilton should have won in Monza. Oh, Hamilton should yeah, have won. He, he was lap. streets ahead, yeah. and I think I was reporting on it if, by if, about lap 20. Know, you know, I wrote having... in that he won. <laughs> <laughs> was it, which, which race was it? Is... is... Is Monza the one because he got two penalties in like two races? Monza the one where he got it because the pit lane was closed, or yeah, yeah, pit lane and the yeah. rush was the start. So, Mercedes basically should not. Basically, that's down to Mercedes. It wasn't really down to Hamilton's driving yeah. Yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. The he can't see. The way he's like he's driving yeah. at speed. He's not going to see a, a fa- an X on the board. Is yeah, the excuse they said yeah. for that was the way they had their um, telemetry viewing was the the page that it came up saying pit lane entry closed was um, they weren't on that page on one of their screens because they wouldn't normally I think it was something like it went to Brackley. It went to like the race team at Brackley. I could be making this up. I think it was like it went to Brackley and then the time delay between them noticing it and sending it through to the team at Monza was just too much. I mean, I would say just on Perez, Red Bull wouldn't be taking him if they thought he was underperforming. No. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. They want to stay with Albon, but... You know, it's just that Perez has made he that an impossible choice and Albon has made that yeah. an impossible Albon dropped. Albon dropped a few clangers, um, especially in <laughs> Eiffel, where you he... Can... Eiffel was the big turning point yeah, in the I end agree, of Alex actually. Albon. Because what he did, he drove a bit like how Gasly oh, drove that Red Bull, yeah. amateurish, hitting Kvyat and then going on oh, the radio. That was awful. They raced me so hard. They raced me so hard. I don't think Christian Horner's listened to that and thought, yeah, I agree with that. He probably thought, what are we doing here? Sergio Perez out of contract. Nico Hulkenberg out of contract. What do you do? You consider the way Alex was driving. It's, it's, it's hard. His career ended a long time ago. And I love Alex, but he yeah, like had Alex. to be dropped. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought he should have been dropped in August. <laughs> I didn't think he should have been called up. To be fair, you should. Yeah, yeah. Been in the that's actually that. a good. That's actually a good point. But what would they have done if they hadn't called up Albon's Red Bull? Would, Gaz, would Gasly have finished that season in 2019? I don't think he would have. I think Nigel. Red Bull don't have options this year, question. whereas last year they had what, options. What, what do you think they should have done if, um, instead of promoting Albon? Oh, I said Kafir, didn't I? I've always said I think they should have promoted Danny Kafir just because it gives them. You can put Albon and Gasly together to see which one's better, and then you can go from there. And it gives yeah. them time. Whereas they rushed into 
it with Albon. So yeah, I've, I've always said they should have promoted Danny Kvyat. I, I think, think he just he had the the experience as well. Yeah, I think they should promote Nico Hulkenberg, but in 2019. But yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> what do I know? Speaking of people who have had chances with Red Bull and haven't had chances with Red Bull, perhaps we could go on to Daniel Ricciardo. Do you think? Because uh, we've cited him there a few times as having a yeah. really good yeah, season. He's been consistently very good. Um, he is the Renault driver. He is the Renault position in the Constructors' Championship. Um, Renault only really had any hope of fighting the third in that Constructors' fight because of Daniel Ricciardo. Um, how, how, how do we rate his season? Do we think it's his best season in Formula 1? Well, I think um, you said he was top five, didn't you? I think he's top five. I agree. Yeah. yeah I I'd think he's had five. like, like I didn't realise how good a season Daniel had had because I think it's just like you expect Daniel to just be in the points because he's Daniel Ricciardo. And like, I remember someone saying, oh, did he, has he like lost it? Like, is it, is because last season wasn't his greatest and I think he wasn't settled in at Renault. Um, and I, um, you know, I don't think he was settled in at Renault. Um, and, you know, it was a lot easier Hulkenberg. He was up against Hulkenberg as well, and Hulkenberg's a very good teammate, very strong driver. Um, but you know, this season Daniel came into his own, made Renault his own, and really kind of showcased like Esteban Ocon what you need to be a top driver. Because I still think Daniel's one of the top drivers in the sports. You know, he might not be in the top two, three teams anymore, but he's still one of the best drivers we have in the sport, and he proved that again this year. You know got two podiums with Renault which I don't think even he expected mm -hmm. you know I think and that was quite nice to see him back on the podium you know I don't think there's anyone that really hates Daniel Ricciardo so like that was really nice to see right. him back on the podium you know um and see him you know up there again racing for those positions that he should be racing for because he is a good enough driver and I think he had a at first it was very quietly he was doing really well and then suddenly I was like, so I was like oh Daniel was like consistently in the points you know he was just chipping away and just basically as you said he made a lot of those points up for Renault over Ocon because Ocon was a bit underwhelming. It wasn't a great this season for um, Daniel Rick in 2019 and 2020 it started badly because of the internal rift between him and Cyril um, because they were throwing insults at each other when uh, Danny went to McLaren. I, I think, think Daniel's we, made the right decision going to McLaren. Yeah, absolutely. I said he, I thought he should have gone two. I thought he should have gone two years ago, but oh, of course, I, I would definitely agree. But I feel Danny and Rick got the best out of that car that Esteban mm. couldn't. I mean, for, he got third on the grid at Silverstone, which was a great achievement at the time. We were all thinking, my word, what's gone to Danny Rick's uh, seat? But he just was there, there at bad, and he was pushing hard. He should have got another podium in Mugello. Those two podiums a year he got were well earned. This was the year that really Danny Rick rebuilt his Formula One career after that poor season in 2019. We all knew what he had. We all knew what he got. But we didn't know if he could really do it outside the Red Bull bubble. He proved yeah. he could. And I'm, I'm not sure. Well, he, was, he was rebuilding a lot of his, um, and this is just what I might be, he was rebuilding a lot of his mental health because I don't yeah. think Red Bull was the nicest place to be and I'll stand by that. I think he was building a lot of that in 2019. I think there was a lot of factors to why his season wasn't so good as this year. Because last year, it didn't even seem like he, he wasn't as cheery as he was. He wasn't as Daniel Ricciardo, which we're used to. Whereas this season, it's been like, oh, it's Daniel Ricciardo. Like, he's back, he's smiling. He's doing all these, this goofy stuff that we're used to. And that was quite nice to see. Yeah. I think well. I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd disagree with that point, though, that it was rebuilding his career or whatever. Because McLaren hired him before the season started before he'd had all this 
good stuff this season. All they had to go off was his Renault time previously, which, as we said, was pretty bad. It wasn't so think, that bad. I don't think last year well, was very but, bad. He beat Nico Hulkenberg. I think it was bad on his fist. standards. Nico Hulkenberg hand over fist. He <laughs> killed his career. And I think it did, it did justify what Renault repaired him last year, I think. Yeah. And it, but, he brought you know, that into this year. Perception. It, it, it didn't help the 2019 car was dull. Let's be honest. <clears> it, it blew up half the time. Yeah. He didn't have the car to do it. He didn't have the tools. No, but re- relative to what, you know, relative to the fact that he left Red Bull to go to Renault because he thought that that was kind of where he'd be able to build his career, you know, I think it, it was bad in that sense. But, you know, he, we all knew he had it. And for me, he wouldn't be in my top five drivers of the year just because I think... And what mistakes has he made this year? He, went, he, did, he just went missing in a few... Races and you know, I don't think he had the, the same car. art. That was when Renault went missing. That's when, when he went missing. Ocon went. I don't think where were Renault, though. I don't know where Renault were at really because it's hard to take a mark. Uh, point well, when, of Ocon if you look at where they were at, if you look at where um, where if you take it as an instance where Ricardo had the guy he performed well, he got fourth place in Silverstone, he obviously got his third place in Nurburgring. That's pure pace. And when they didn't have the pace. Ocon was way back in like 15th or 16th and Ricardo was like 11th or 12th anyway. Ricardo was still ahead of Ocon yeah. even when they were beat. down there. Like but at Barcelona, Renault were nowhere to be seen. I grant you. But both Renaults were nowhere to be seen. Mon- it's not Mon- like he had Mon- a teammate. He was always... Mon- Mon- I, I, know he, I know he finished out the points but what happened at Silverstone too? Because that was a track they were coming into. That's, that's his... Mon- yeah. Monza was the was same him. kind of going in thinking he- oh we can smash it and they didn't Really. Silverson Sakir, two, they he went wasn't on, in the position yeah. to pick up the. Sorry, um, but Silverson two, he wasn't. Uh, sorry, Sakir, he wasn't in the kind of position to pick up the podium or kind of when yeah. when I think he could have been. For Sakir, the reason he wasn't in the position was oh. because he was on the conventional <laughs> strategy, um, yeah. in the same way that Science was, in the same way that Norris was, in the same way that um, someone else was. Um, I think I want to say Stroll, but I don't know. Um, so in the same way, they didn't get. Oh no, not Stroll, someone else. Because uh, they, they took the conventional strategy um, and then meant that the going long Stroll, Perez and Ocon could jump them, basically. So that was just a different strategy, put him and so many other drivers out of play. But he was already in play early on in the fight for the podium in that race. Silverson, too, granted, was, was not good. I think Renault went on soft tyres when everyone else was on hards and they just didn't work. Monza didn't. Monza was a disaster. Uh, if you think about it, that should be the track that Renault does really well at because they did well in 2019 with an average car. They came into 2020, better car, didn't get near the podium. Danny Rick had that great start, but just never made that much progress afterwards. They got caught out uh, by the red flag. So that was one they should have got a podium at. Again, you, again, I don't think you can blame Ricardo though for, for no, you Renault's can, not, strategy. No, no Renault, Renault, Renault screwed up. Renault screwed up at Monza. He was Renault, still ahead of Ocon absolutely. at every point, really. Exactly. I think. Apart from um, the qualifying in the steering Grand Prix, where Ocon showed he's a brilliant driver, but couldn't do it for the rest of the year, which is so frustrating. We'll get onto that later. Which was um, a Sakia, where obviously Ocon was on the podium, Danny Rick wasn't, but in a way, a lot of people are like, oh, Ocon got a bit lucky with his strategy. And, yeah. you know, I don't, so it wasn't actually on pure pace that Ocon was ahead of Ricardo. So it was the right idea to put to put that strategy on Ocon, but he was only on that strategy because he started 11th, unfortunately for him. Yeah. So in a way, you know, over the season, Ricardo's had a pretty good season against his teammate and had some pretty good results. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree. I think he has, he's had a good season and he, you know, he in himself, you know, he's in a position now to go to McLaren where I think he can really push on. Whereas I think if he was going to McLaren at the end of last season, you know, it, it'd be more difficult. He wouldn't, you know, be in that frame of mind. But I just, to me, I think, you know, five of the drivers have had better years than him. I'd probably put him sixth. But across the season, I think Ricardo. I don't. I don't remember him making any mistakes. And and yes, Gasly and Perez had the highlights. But if you look at looking at consistency, seventeen races. I think I think Ricardo's third. I think Ricardo's up there with Verstappen, Leclerc, and Hamilton. Not Verstappen and Leclerc. In terms of overall driver skill, all I think four of them best four drivers in Formula One. I think. Um, I think, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll be in this conversation for ages. I think we're in a bit of a rut <laughs> now. So I think we should go on to, we should take this segue and link it to Ricardo signing for McLaren, as Adam has done, which was the, um, one of the latest um, pieces in a puzzle that was started when Ferrari announced um, midway through lockdown one, in the UK at least, that they were sacking Sebastian Vettel after the end of 2020, before a racing lap has been turned. Um, this led to a massive domino effect. Immediately, Carlos Sainz was announced by Ferrari, leaving McLaren. McLaren then announced Daniel Ricciardo, obviously. And then Vettel, later on in the season, was signed to Aston Martin, which led to the previous stuff we've chatted about, Perez going now to Red Bull. So this driver market has been pretty busy this year. There's been a lot of musical chairs. We didn't, we didn't have coming into 2020. It seemed to set it up for 2021. What was weird about this, I think, was that it all happened before before a racing lap had been turned, apart from for Perez and Alonso, basically. Alonso joining Renault, obviously. So, what do we think going into 2021? Who do we think's made the best move? Perez could have been yeah. at Williams. Like, Perez. We, thought, we thought Perez would be going to Williams in about October, and now he's at Red Bull. Perez pulled an Uno reverse card on... Uh, Racing point because he went, oh, well, you guys can be third or fourth place. I'm going to go to second best team on the grid. And I'm probably, my, you know, I've won some races now, but I think one of the best moves is Daniel. I think he's made a very, very good decision going to uh, McLaren. I think it's a really good atmosphere uh, for him. I think, and I'm putting this out there, just, I'm not, not dissing Lando. I think he'll beat Lando very comfortably. Um, personally, I just think Lando's a tad overrated. Not gonna lie to you guys, um, but um, so I think I think he could easily beat Lando. I think it'll be a tough battle, but I think he'll easily do it. I think just the experience he has, um, and I think he's made the decision where he can because McLaren now, you know, they're back with Mercedes as well, uh, a partnership which I adore. So I'm kind of glad that's mm-hmm. back together. Um, you know that that's going to be a really big thing for them. However, it could be a year where they need to settle into this new engine, um, a new supplier, because they had that a bit with Renault. You know, wasn't the easiest year first year. Don't know how that's going to be because they have literally got the best engine on the grid, so it could be completely different. You know, it could be a very easy swap. Um, so I think that could just build into a really good partnership because I think McLaren obviously want to get back to where they were, which is winning. And I think with they're going in the right direction to do that. Yeah, I think I, I've kind of, I think midway through the season or after Ricardo got his two podiums, I was thinking, you know, actually should he have stayed at Renault? But kind of looking at the bigger picture, the key difference to me is that McLaren are one of the biggest names in F1. They're the biggest 
powers. You you know you've got Ferrari, Williams, Lotus, McLaren are kind of the big four, and you know probably add that add Mercedes to that actually now. But you know I, yeah. Re- Renault aren't that. You know they've had good years in F1 and they've had a good year this year. But you know ultimately M- McLaren, you know, is one of the holy grails as a driver. I think you know coming into it, if I was going in, that would be the team I'd want to drive for. So you know I think as Ellie said, they. It might not be immediately successful, but I think, you know, they both both drivers have got time, the team have got time, and I think they have got a leadership structure that will be more patient now for them to wait and then, you know, kick on into 2021, 22, 23, you know, whenever it is that they do start to come good. So, yeah, I I think outside of Perez, actually, because mm, Ricardo to McLaren, Perez, like, could well just be a one-year thing. Same with yeah. science to Ferrari for two years. I think Ricardo probably has the yeah, best long term. Yeah. Ricardo's got a team that want him. I think now. I think yeah. he, if he was at Renault, definitely they they do like him there. They have loved him there this year. But Renault is a team that will happily shuffle you aside if they get a whiff of potentially having Fernando Alonso, and they didn't have to have that difficult conversation with any of their drivers because one got out of the seat. But I do think there would have been a chance that maybe twenty twenty two that Fernando Alonso would have come knocking at Renault and they would have given him a seat and would have made it a lot harder for Ricardo. I think Ricardo's now, like you say, with the leadership position at McLaren and stuff like that, he's coming into a team that is going to be his team in a way that Renault was half his team, but Renault at the end of the day was always going to be Renault or Alpine or whatever they are. They're always going to be the brand as McLaren is, I think, has much more possibility to be the team for um, Ricardo. Um, Ed, did you have something you wanted to put in there? Um, I'll chime in with this one. I think Perez with the first year will probably have a year or two, so it might not. It depends on how quick he settles in. I think Vell's made a good move to Aston Martin. You know, he's yeah. not. He wasn't happy at Ferrari, and then he comes in. He's got the second, third best car on the grid. He's pretty much won the lottery. For Aston mm-hmm. Martin, it would be huge for that team. They're getting a four-time world champion. They're getting a huge marketing base in Germany. They can promote him everywhere. You know, he can build himself up as a team leader again. He doesn't have to worry about a Charles figure. He can coach Lance as well. If you think about it, Lance needs just that little bit more coaching to be a really, really good driver. I agree. I think, like, Aston Martin, that's a really good move for him. But, Mm. and I think we'll finally get, you know, old Seb back where he's just, you know, such a good racing driver because I don't think he's had that ability to do that this year in in that Ferrari. I think we'll finally see some... I think we might see a few podiums off Seb next year because he, he's that good. You know, he'll just, if he adapts yeah. to the car well or the cars, I, d- I don't yeah. imagine the car will be adapted around him because he hasn't raced this year, so he hasn't oh. had much input. But I imagine, but, like but, you yeah. said, he'll, he'll be pretty good to see. He likes yeah, a car with a good, stable rear end, and that's yeah. basically what's characterised the racing point this year. Yeah, yeah, also yeah the fact so that'll that suit he, him. He also works better, I feel, when he's got a team around him. He didn't really have that for us, but you will have that at Aston yeah. Martin. Exactly. They're, gonna, they're gonna really going to want to like, they're going to be like, this and this is our, like I said, when I first wrote the article, which never expects to fucking happen, I was like, oh, <laughs> Seb should go to, Seb should go to Aston Martin. But then I put, won't happen. Prez is in the three-year contract and Lance Stroll is the, uh, the, the son of the owner. Um, and I was like, well, think about it. There's so many things, you know, he's not got as much pressure on him anymore so he can drive as well as he wants. And he doesn't, 
doesn't have any pressure to perform. He doesn't have to. Because Ferrari, there's a whole bloody country on your back. You know, you've got to, you've got to perform. Otherwise, they're coming for your next, you know. Yeah. And they haven't done that this year. And I said, you know, he's a four-time world champion. And Aston Martin are a brand new brand. They're not a brand new brand coming into F1, but they're new, technically. And they need somebody to, you know, push them forward. And a four-time world champion would do that exactly so they're going to be like yeah we've got to got to do things to please this guy so they're gonna you know this give him what, what he wants this is what at, makes least giving, at least giving freddie some work on the fucking twen- uh, swear word censoring i like so it. you now but, uh, um yeah no do, do, um, we have a blink, I, do we have a blink machine oh yes oh, it's, it's, it's looking at you okay. oh. um no i think i think i will just inject some pessimism in the you know, where is Seb at that level anymore? You know, I think he's not, in, no, he's not. I agree. Compared, no, you know, level. I'll do another cross sport um, comparison is Mark Cavendish in cycling, the greatest sprinter of all time. But you know, he's not been at that level for a few years. He's bounced around a few teams, but you know, I think people are at a level where they can perform like that. I think George Best was another one, and then you know they lose it, and I'm not. I'm just not sure, really, for Seb, you know. I think it's a good no. move in terms of him in himself, in his own head, you know. I think it will improve him being out of Ferrari, being away from Charles. But on the flip side, you know, I, I'm not I'm not expecting great things from him, really. I'm kind of expecting it to be, you know, kind of the, the next chapter of, you know, his his journey from four-time world champion to retirement. And I think it's kind of that for me you know I'm, I'm not professing to be a Seb fan I never have been but you know I do like him around around the grid and I think I've appreciated a lot that a lot more this year especially with his support for the BLM go back to our first episode um, but you know I just don't think to me I don't think you know there is that level in him in him anymore so yeah, that's just kind of my thoughts. I think mm. the worst move that's been made is that of Carlos Sainz. Not because Ferrari are in a dire position, because Ferrari mm. will come back. It's because every other move... I don't think you're wrong. Ricardo has made a move oh. to make him lead of McLaren. Vettel is now going to be basically lead of Aston Martin. Alonso has come in as lead of Renault. All these teams have set themselves up with a lead driver. And Ferrari have done that by getting rid of Sebastian Vettel and bringing in um, Carlos Sainz to be a willing number two, basically. So Carlos Sainz has gone from a team where he is lead driver. He's t- Ricardo has stolen Sainz's golden boy position at McLaren and he's lost it to go to Ferrari, a team which um, could well be in a really good position in 2022, could be in a great position next year. But um, it's just he's not going to be the, the star of the team in the way that Charles Leclerc is definitely going to be. So I think for me, Carlos Sainz is the one who's made the worst move um, in, out of all of these driver machinations. Which is yeah. ironic because he was the second person, he was the second domino to fall and he was the yeah. one that kind of kick-started a lot of the musical chairs because, you know, it was a kind of direct team-to-team move whereas Vettel at first was taking himself out of it. Yeah, yeah I think I think I'd be tempted to agree with you actually. I guess Perez, maybe there's a bit more risk because it's one year and, you know, kind yeah. of against Verstappen but yeah, I think I'd, I'd probably agree. On the flip side, though, who's going to Ferrari? Like, this is what every or most F1 drivers kind of dream of. You know, he's getting that shot at Ferrari. And, you know, after two years, 
you know, if he performs well, then, you know, there's a chance of extending that. If not, I still think he'll have an F1 career, you know, ahead of him. He'll only be 26 by then, something like that. You know, he'll be mid-20s. Yeah, late so, 20s. He's, he'll be in his seventh or eighth season in, in Formula One when he, if he, in, in his time at Ferrari, basically. So yeah, I think you know, you're right, yeah, though. He I'm is, good. like, making probably the most... Pes- mm, that you're saying pessimistic move of the bunch because he's going into Ferrari who have built their team around Charles however I think he's going to give Charles a bit more pain than they are anticipating mm. I don't think he's going to be as number two as they probably want him to be he's not going to be a Kimi Raikkonen if they wanted that they should have put Giovinazzi in the car mm. yeah I, think I, hope, I hope that's the case it come it comes across very Ivan Capelli arriving in the team where you've been number one and then you come into a team in transition with a top talent um, and you're basically filling this you're warming the seat up for Mick Schumacher report, as has been yeah. said by Mattia Benotto. By your by your new boss, literally. Um, <laughs> you know, the day after he came into the he came to Ferrari, oh the next day he's like, Yes, Mick probably will be in the car in twenty twenty three. Wow, I don't think that's what Carlos wants. I don't. Hear. I don't think Carlos was looking at the contract. Think, hang on, seat warmer. Yeah. Um, I yeah. don't think. I think it's going to be more of a headache for Ferrari management. Bonotto struggled to handle Seb and Charles at times. Uh, when if it's a headache, if it's a it's headache, good. it's easier to get rid of him because then they can say, "Oh, it's not the not the what, what, uh, not the atmosphere we want." Dynamic. If, if yeah, he's good, bad, then it'll be easier to get rid of him as well. It's it's, it's, it's just it feels like a rock and a hard place for Carlos. It's to gonna me. feel it's gonna feel like a massive head banging moment for Benotto because them two are not. Good. I don't think them two will get and he's on. Ill. When, is Benotto? Oh yeah, Benotto. Is he got a what was it? Herpes yeah. apparently. Yeah. Herpes. Yeah. Bless which, him. Um, yeah. Bad, bad luck, mate. Not He's been that, getting around with that Mattia Bonotto. Um, yeah. Oi, oi. <laughs> Jesus. Lads, lads, lads. Lads, anybody. Um, yeah, I think for me, it's it's going to be a headache for Friday next season. These two are not going to get on, I don't think, when they realise there's a, they're not, Carlos is not going to be number two. So it's going to be interesting to see which one fights over that. It's really, they've basically cocked each other's careers up. Benotto's basically <laughs> under attack, pretty much, before they even begun, unless they stick Mick Schumacher in that car. I think it, he may, Carlos, if he doesn't perform, he may have just killed his own career. That's my thought, because yeah. Ferrari's ruthless with guys that when they don't perform, they sack him. Speaking I of think, Mick Schumacher, oh, you go, Adam. Uh, I was just going to say, I think there is, a, there is a worry, because the last two seasons at McLaren, I think especially this season against Norris, has kind of solidified it a bit more that you know his his quality but if you're looking at his F1 career previous to that you know he'd not he'd not held his own with Verstappen at Torosso and then you know gone to Renault and not really been able to make that work either and Hulkenberg you know kind of dominated him really well not dominated but you know had the upper hand and then going to McLaren yes he finished top last season, but that was against a rookie, Norris, who had a, his fair share of retirement. But I think looking at this season, he has, you know, against a maturing Norris, about halfway through the season or a third of the He's way through the always season, there, isn't he? It, it looked like he, he could be in trouble, but he has just turned it up to another level, you know, especially, I think, since Monza or the Nürburgring, you know, he's just been in the top yeah. six all the time. So, since Silverstone, yeah. really. Silverstone, he, he, had, he was running fourth and then he got a puncture. He basically would have been he would have been the third place pickup after Bottas's puncture 
if he hadn't got his own puncture, basically. Science was, since around Silverstone, basically, he's been the lead McLaren driver. Norris peaked at the beginning of his year and then stayed there, which is good. But Science got to that level and then got a little bit far, faster than it. Norris tops and tailed the season, but Science was yeah. there for the whole thing. Mm. I think the trouble is with also Science, he is at times very inconsistent. Um, like last season, his qualifying was absolutely terrible. That's why he was called a smooth operator, because he had the car to smash through the field. Um, <laughs> Will Ferrari, will Ferrari hack, hack that if Carlos gets knocked out of Q2 like Seb did? I'm not so sure. For me, it's a, it's a powder cake. You either, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Every driver on that grid wants to drive in red. There's no question about it. If you ask all of them, they will say, I want to drive Ferrari one day. I want to drive Ferrari. Carlos has Lewis been, would. Well, not Lewis, Lewis has got... No. Lewis, Baltry would. Baltry would go in a heartbeat. Baltry um, was denied. No, Ooh, Williams cool. didn't let him move to Ferrari back in the day. If I, would, if, I were, if I was, if I was Ferrari, I personally would have employed Valtteri Bottas to be yes, uh, Charles Leclerc's wingman. Yeah, I would have employed. And then Bradford. I'm not just saying that because I want George Russell to be. It would have been the biggest two fingers but, to Mercedes they could do. Mm. I probably think, wouldn't have beat Charles though. No, <laughs> no, what the biggest two fingers would have been if Seb had signed for Mercedes, Valtteri to Ferrari. My God, can you imagine drive to survive that? Contract and the arguments between Toto and Matteo. Oh, man, I think, drive to survive. Able to I don't think Toto would argue. Talks. To be honest, Toto would yeah. just stare. Toto would just stare. Toto, at like, Toto just openly dislikes Matteo Binotto Toto this year. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's hilarious. Toto, Toto, Toto treats Matteo Binotto like the, that annoying kid at school who keeps the class behind every day of the week. Because he's so Toto you've got to give us homework, cool. said Matteo Binotto. <laughs> <laughs> and then Toto says outside of class, "Do not do that." Followed by Cyril grabbing him and Christian. Yeah, where does Cyril go to this? Christian, ste- Christian stealing his pack of Rolos afterwards and then running off. Cyril's the secretly cool one who everyone actually really kind of finds like, how, why is he in F1? What? He's actually kind of cool, but what? I don't get it. That's, that, that's, no. the, that's the Cyril of beatball conundrum. The coolest one is Toto. 100%. Oh, yeah. How has this got that, into winging it fan fiction? That, <laughs> that, that, winging it fan fiction is about us. Zach's a lovable teddy bear that Zach's a lovable teddy bear that everyone loves and plays rugby. I don't right? like Zach Brown. Arrivederci. Arrivederci. And Franz Todd's the old man who's teaching, who's actually quite nice. If you get on the good stuff. Bless. Yeah, I like Franz Todd. Everyone needs a Franz Todd. Before we start trying to figure out who Simon Roberts is, um, I think we should... <laughs> the new kid school. The new principal at Williams, if anyone actually didn't know who he was. Um, let's go on to um, some more topics because we've been rambling along quite nicely. So we think we've got to get onto another topic so we can actually ramble about something else and have the time to do so. Um, I'm going to throw something into you guys. Um, disappointment of the year. Who's disappointed you most this year? Who do you think? It's, well, yeah, it's, it's, Adam's gone I was thinking Nigel's. Ocon and then I remembered Albon was a thing because I did genuinely <laughs> think he had the potential to be you know, a good number two driver at Red Bull after his half season there and his season at AlphaTauri I thought he could you know, kick on and he would be a good you know, he had the potential to grow into that role and he hasn't, he's regressed so it's, it's not even close for me I'm going to add someone very different Valtteri Bottas I know he had his bad luck, but at times you wondered if it was an amateur driving, like with Turkey, Monza. He didn't look like any, getting anywhere near Lewis. And when George came along, he 
basically pulled his trousers down. It's, for, for me, Valtteri, he has the talent on his day to be a superb driver. But times this season, I think, this guy's past it. This guy just does not have it at all. And it's a shame. Worse than Albon, though. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Albon depends what you expect from Albon, though. That's where the question is. Yeah, what do you expect from Albon? Albon is not. Albon, you expect to be still sort of learning it a little bit. Valtteri's actually weird. To not be within three tenths all season, though. Valtteri spun about ten times. outqualified Hamilton at times. Valtteri spun uh, ten times. Valtteri spun ten times at Turkey. But Valtteri yeah, but that's a race. race. One race. One race. You can't judge Monza, one did you see his start at Monza? The, the human right. chicane. What, where was Albon at Monza? Okay, where was Albon in Turkey? Albon hitting, one, Albon person speak. one person speak. One person speak. Nigel's got the coach. Oh, I've just got a question for Ed. What, what has Albon done well this year? That's he my got po- we've got two podiums. He hasn't completely disgraced himself. There was at times. He hasn't. Yeah, but hang on. Valtteri's in the, the best, best car in Formula Valtteri 1. Valtteri still yeah, he's managed out to win a race. Yeah, he's, yeah, won, he's won two yeah, races. Two races. Yeah, one, he two. Got, one, one he got Sorry, handed to him. <laughs> one, he got, one he got handed to him, and one he won because Lewis decided to hit Albert. Austria, about Austria. He was Austria. the best driver. He was like a genuinely good performance. He got pole, and then he held Lewis behind him when they both had issues. I, you know, Lewis was compromised. He's been, he's been yeah. close to, you know, he's got poles against Lewis. He's, you know, been within a tenth or so for a lot of races, and we're talking about one of if not the greatest drivers of all time and he's you know been able to do that and I think it's a bit harsh on Bottas because he's not meant to be a title challenger to Lewis but because all of the other teams are so useless Bottas kind of gets the brunt. you know push, pushed into that role by everyone who wants to see a title the only, fight. Yeah, the only thing there's th- several things Bottas has done wrong this season one of them is be just like can't overtake the Stappen I don't know why he's so scared of him I can't tell you, but the man is afraid to overtake him. But is he still helping Mercedes get that first place? Yes, he's doing his job. The other thing he did run this season was he let a guy who has never driven the car before and came into the car <laughs> was a tenth off, less than a tenth in pole off him, and then beat him in the start. Probably should have beat him in the race. That's what he's done wrong. But that proved a different, completely different debate. That proved that George Russell should be in that car over Valtteri Bottas. Yeah, I think everyone but, agree on that. You know, that's a different debate in itself. But yeah, Valtteri exactly. has done his job. Do I think he's good enough to be in that seat? Probably not. But he's not meant to be a world champion. You know, I'm no. sorry, he will never be a world champion. He's not good enough. But um, has he done worse than Albon? No. You know, I, I love Alex and I'm a big Alex fan. But um, I don't feel I do feel really sad for Alex that he's lost his seat. Yeah. But this is F one. This is the this is what it's like, and he did not perform in a car that was good enough to be on the podium. I do think he had a worse car than Verstappen. Yes, but then again, it couldn't have been that worse because he still could have got more points than he did because the amount of times he ended up in the points and was out of the points was too many. He was worse. He wasn't worse than Pierre, but we never know because Pierre didn't get the full season for us to see. Mm. I think Whereas he was worse than season, Pierre. Oh, I've got a season well. and a half uh, of, so. of Alex versus half a season of Pierre. So we'll, I can't really judge. Uh, yeah, I think it's a debate for another day. I don't think he yeah. was worse than Pierre. But on, you know, if we're looking at disappointment over the season, then you know it's probably got to be expectations coming into the season. Did anyone expect Valtteri to be doing better than this? 
I don't think there was a significant <laughs> expectation that Alban, there was an expectation that he'd be near Max, you know, he'd be, what was it Horner said, you know, within a few tenths, within three tenths? Yeah. Or Marco said, you know, there was that expectation and he's not reached it. Bottas, I think he has kind of reached where, you know, most people expected him to be maybe a bit below, but not anywhere near Alban. Bottas is underwhelming, yes, but I don't really expect less. It's no just not. I think what the main frustration for people on Bottas genuinely does come from the fact they think George Russell should be in that card. That's where most. If George Russell didn't exist, I don't think people would really care if Bottas is no. in that car or not. No, Bottas has I, Bottas performs in consistencies his whole time at Mercedes. He has bef- roughly outqualified Hamilton a third of the time, which is basically his whole time at Mercedes. Genuinely, if you look at all the stats, that's about it. He's basically finished behind, ahead of him about a fifth of the time, which is consistent with every season he's had against Hamilton at Mercedes. So Bottas has just had a Bottas season. Bottas has done exactly what is Bottas at Mercedes. <laughs> I think disappointment of the season for me is Esteban Ocon because we all expected Esteban Ocon to do well, looking at how brilliant he was at Racing Point when he came in um, and in the second he season at Racing choice, Point. Yeah. He was um, his out-qualifying record on Sergio Perez in their, in their second year as teammates together was um what we, was was ridiculous he was like 17-4 or something like that i think so that's mad and then he comes in and he out qualifies ricardo once in the dry um i expected ocon to be much better than this can we also can i also nominate one more alfa romeo considering that yeah, they were cool. they had a decent they had a decent 2019 Did and they, they, well they got they, were up they got good Kimi. points in 2019 with Kimi Raikkonen and Giovinazzi yeah. was, was, was there and thereabouts in the second half of the season in 2019. He mm. disappoints Giovinazzi more than Alfa Romeo because he should have been way ahead of Raikkonen this year. And he started out the Giovinazzi year Giovinazzi should not have an F1 seat, but you know, that's... Neither should Raikkonen. Neither of them should. Neither of them should. Callum Eilat should be in F1, but you know. Well, it's unfortunately called Barana Club for a reason. Unfortunately, that's the thing. I think Alfa Romeo... Yeah. Should have pushed on. They had two good seasons with 18-19. Admittedly, Charles was However, they good. did have an illegal engine. Yeah, I was about to say that. Well, yeah. maybe yeah. we need to talk yeah. about that moment. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. We'll, 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 get, we'll, we'll, do, um, we'll do a PowerPoint presentation to the FIA. Explain why they all disagree. Because we'll never know. George Russell to we'll, do that. No. Let, let's go and... Yeah, George will do it easy. Well, let's we'll win them over. PowerPoint for anyone. Yeah, yeah my, he would. My, he wins everyone over with his PowerPoint. My, my, point, my point would be that Alfa Romeo should have pushed on and started to move deeper into the midfield this season, but they didn't. I think they, they should have, but then, we, then I think they had an illegal engine for two years, so I don't think they could have done much more than that's, what they did this year. That is a, that's, that's, that's yeah, I would agree with that. That's a, that's also, good, the whole of the midfield that. pushed on, to be honest. Renault were a lot better. Racing yeah. Point were a lot, lot better, and was, McLaren improved yeah. again, and Alpha Tauri improved by a massive step. But it was step. quite, it was quite nice to see Williams have somebody to battle. That was quite yeah, nice exactly. to watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't like to see Williams get lapped three or four times. Not fun. No, we, them by, let's, by let, have, let them have someone to battle. Mm. <laughs> yeah. What about Haas? Do you think that maybe they were a bit of a disappointment considering they just continued their? I think they're just Haas. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't as bad as 2019 when they had uh, Bad Santa running around the joint in the, with his rich energy jacket. Um, yeah. 2019 was awful for them, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it wasn't much better. Season. One thing we'll put in talking about Haas, um, which driver do you think we will miss the most then? Who uh, leaving Formula One? 
I think for me, Kevin Magnuson actually. Yeah, I'd agree. I'm gonna miss Kevin. I think it. I think I'm. It's not missing him. I'm really sad we didn't get to see Roman uh, do his last race. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that that's quite sad that we didn't get to see that. Um, but um, he's okay, which is the most important. Yeah, I'm gonna miss Kevin a lot. I think he had a lot more potential than we ever got to see. Yeah. Um. Who else is leading the group? If it's gonna be, if it's Danny Kavia, Alex. Danny, yeah, he had potential. If it's gonna, be, if it's gonna be the last time we're gonna see him, I think I'm gonna miss Nico Hulkenberg. Yeah, um, I think we all, when he finished his career in 2019, I was like, okay, well, never really did it. And then he came back and he's just smashed it at the ballpark. It's gonna be sad that he mm. won't be there. And if it was a 22 car grid, he would be there. So it's it hurts to see that fact may see the last of Nico. Because Adam? I think he, oh sorry, yeah, just Nico. Nico's yeah. a superb driver, and he really did well in that racing point. Adam, I think, yeah, I'd say though it kind of felt like quite a nice waste for Nico to leave, in that he left on a nice, he left on kind of a more positive footing, I think, than he had when he was at Renault, and he just kind of seemed tired of it all. You know, he came back, he had two good super sub performances, became a bit. A bit you know, became the court hero that, you know, he had been in previous years. And I think if it's the last time we see Alex, I think that would feel like a massive, not a massive, but a big waste of potential. Because I do think, you know, he's got, he deserves to have a chance at another team because of what he did in flashes at Rebel and for most of his Alpha Tower years. So I think if it is the last time we see Alex, then definitely him. If not, probably K-Mag. Nigel, do you have one quick one to throw in there? Or are you going to uh, agree with everything you've said? The F1 world moves on very quickly, doesn't it? Yes, well, you don't care. Nigel is not sentimental. He's one favourite drivers. He just watches them come and watches them go, like the passing of time itself. We're running out of time because of the passing of time itself, as Adam mentioned. Um, but we've got time to have a few quick... Editing. Um, editing. We can't edit anything out, though. We're doing well. Um, we're saying it's interesting sports things. personality stuff at the start. <laughs> <laughs> well, where's it this bit? Um, so we're going to have a quick moment. Doesn't have to be quick fire, but like, yeah, about our favourite moment of the season and favourite overtake of the season, and then looking ahead to 2021. So we'll start with a favourite overtake, and I'm going to go to Nigel first because he doesn't want to go to first. So I'll go to Adam. Um, <laughs> it's, it's easy. Gasly on Perez at Eau Rouge at Spa. It was just such a kind of white knuckle ride. See the on board of it. It's just so, it's just such a kind of intense overtake. And it's massive cojones and massive skill <laughs> and massive trust between the two drivers as well. I think, yeah, that for me is the standout, one of the standout overtakes I've seen. Ed, I would, I'd agree with that. It, um, it shows some big dick energy, as Danny Rick would put it. Ah, lovely, mm. Gasly. Ellie, Amazing do you have a different track. option? Um, Variety's sake. I want to say, I can't remember who it was on, but George Russell on the safety car um, at Sakia, the one, the first one he did when the safety car like, went green. Up he was up. on, Bottas. I want to say it was on Bottas. Bottas, yeah, on Bottas. That was great to watch. You know, watching him. Nice to you in a long time. That was for, that for the lead. It was for an opportunity to fight for the lead. Fight yeah. for the lead, yeah, because Perez was in the lead. Oh, yeah, kind of going into the yeah. wiggly bit. Mm, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I did rate that, actually, to be fair. Yeah, that move. Nigel, you've had long enough now. 
I can't remember that many Granola takes. It says a lot about oh. No, Joe didn't. Uh, I think Verstappen and Bottas in Styria when he went round. When Bottas got him, but then he re-overtook him round the outside on all That was tires. a very good battle, yeah. And it was he nice. didn't have DRS or anything. I don't know how he got round there considering the pace difference between them, but he managed to make it stick. So I'll go with that one, Verstappen and Bottas. Before we go on to favourite moment, I'll throw mine in there, which is Albon round the outside on Cops. Of on Kimi Raikkonen, mm. I thought that was really good because it's around the outside on cops, which is not what you do in a racing car. But he did it. I thought that was brilliant. Um, favorite moment like of the year? Again, <laughs> easy is Hamilton crossing the line on three wheels in the British Grand Prix. That's going to be something I'll remember um, for a long, long time, even more than the race itself, as we said in part one. Mm-hmm. Lance Stroll's pole. Uh, Lance Stroll's pole. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, I'd say the Alphatari celebrations after Monza and the radio call. Although, per, for a personal note, probably me interviewing Gio. Got to promote that article. <laughs> That's a really yeah, good I personal can, point. Say, yeah. Me and me and me interviewing Freddie, which was your favourite F1 driver interview? Oh, I really enjoyed when I took those quotes out of that email from Daniel Ricciardo that <laughs> Renault sent me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, we've all been there, done, been yeah. done that. I think for, from a personal point, um, at, at Land, at, um, Autosport International in the Karun Chantok press conference type thing, I did quite like that. Quite to me as well, you probably quite liked as well. Chatting to Nicholas oh, yeah. Latifi, that'll be my yeah. probably one of my personal notes. Um, favourite moment of the season for me in terms of actually an on-track occasion was probably actually just getting racing because it felt like we weren't going to have any this yeah. year. Um, I know that's an easy cop-out answer, but all of that, everything that's gone on this year has been ridiculous, everything that's still going on this year. And the fact that we were able to actually get a 17-race season underway Definitely. was pretty cool, especially with all of the project pit lane, building ventilators and stuff that we shouldn't ignore because that was mm. Formula One coming together to save the world and to help save the world as, as well we just sat back as a way to save the world they went forward to actually build um, medical equipment in, in a whole new way um, yeah. I don't want to ruin what Nigel's going to say by having said that one though so well, I was going to say Roman Grosjean climbing out after his absolute oh fantastic yeah, yeah of I still the images are still you know, find extremely yeah. shocking you know, we thought the worst had happened and for him to get out was not, you know, relatively okay. Yes, he's got some injuries. He's had surgery. Uh, yeah, I think that, that's my moment of, this end of the year. That's a fantastic point. Um, for To close that section, we're going to have one final round robin to round off. We're a few days away from New Year's Eve as we release this episode, not as we record it. Um, but going to have a quick session to quick round robin to go hot take for 2021 um i'll give you a bit of time to think while i ramble a bit more and i'll say that kimi raikkonen won't retire um who <laughs> wants to chime in first with their hot take for 2021 gambit battle will be freeway next season it'll be seb max lewis oh that's hot my word <laughs> i hope you're right it is steaming hot that's a spicy take uh, anyone else got there one? There is but... no way Seb is being in the championship battle next year. No. I agree with Adam. <laughs> I, also, just... I also personally don't even see Verstappen in it, but you know. Um... I'm, I'm trying to think of a, 
word that's hot enough to describe the hot take that Ed's just given. Garbage. If that comes on, that'll Garbage. be like surface Garbage. of the sun level hot take. Mignor, um, maybe? What? <laughs> Garbage Mignor? Is that the... Co- <laughs> We're closing off the 2021 season. 2020 season, if we're going to have one podcast on that manure. Go uh, um. I'll go for it. Um, George Russell will score a point in the Williams. Oh my goodness me. Oh my word, that's hot. That's hot, isn't it? Scotch bonnet. Oh, wow, I mean, that's that good, is that's a good difficult way of for him. It. it is difficult. <laughs> that's when they can't develop these cars. Um, no. Nigel, you've got the sun on you. We can see it in the video. You have had it in your eyes, so you should be in a very heated mood. So give us your 2021 opinion now. Go. I don't have anything. I, I don't think it's going to be great. <laughs> I, I, don't I don't think don't, it's going to be yeah. great. Brilliant. <laughs> I, don't, um, I don't think it's going to be a classic. I'll all right, I'll kick you from the Zoom call if you, if you, if you say anything worse. Than <laughs> um, Adam. I'm I'm kind of with Nigel to be honest. I can't really see much surprising <laughs> happening, but I'll go. Um, Just make it um, up. A, a lot, but then you know, next thing you know, people watch it and then they're like, "Oh, you don't know anything," and then you've said Matsushita is going to win F2, and then you screwed. Um, I was I about to bring it's that up. Going to, it's uh, oh, Alonso will have a nice season. It will have a good season, and it, it won't be like his time at McLaren. Wow, that's the most out there I've ever heard. Um, Absolutely scolding. So I think on that rather drab note, we're going to round out the 2020 Formula One season for all of us, round out our first year as a podcast. Thank you ever so much if you've watched any episode, if you've listened to any episode. Um, I'm Freddie Coates. He's Adam Dickinson. He's Nigel Chu. And we've been joined fantastically by Ed Spencer and Ellie Jane. You can see all our Twitters. They'll be on the screen. Um, you can find Ellie and Ed's fantastic work um, all over the internet and you can find Nigel and Adam's fantastic work on a lot of the internet as well um, thank your you. fantastic work Freddie don't forget that I, mine's just good um, so thanks very much Adam um, so, but, um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah you'll be able to see all of our stuff we'll be back in 2021 as a podcast we're going to hopefully be able to do as much as we can in the off season that will keep you entertained um and yeah have a fantastic new year and all the best for what is hopefully not going to be 2020's um successor but is going to be an absolute worldie so have a good one everybody thanks for watching see ya <laughs>